Well, here we are again on a Christmas, um, nice, dreary, rainy morning to kind of remind us what Christmas is like. No, I'm kidding about that. Um, you know, this whole thing, have you noticed this? Am I the only one that notices this? We have had four or five Sundays that just stink in terms of weather. Um, it's always great in here, of course. Um, uh, anyway, I noticed that, and of course, I do believe it's a satanic plot. But anyway, it's, it's, it's whatever it is, it is. We're, uh, we're glad you're here this morning. We wanted, and this, this whole thing of Mary is just so, it's so neat. And, and you know, we, what we've heard and what we, we've seen and, and heard uh, with, with the song. And what we're doing on this series, if you, if you just, you know, are visiting or missed a few Sundays or whatever, we're looking at Christmas from the different perspective of different members of, of, of the nativity, basically. And we've talked about Joseph and some of his uh, doubts. We've talked about Zechariah, some of his skepticism. We've talked about uh, the shepherds. And uh, kind of their, their very, probably, you know, elementary understanding of what was going on, but still came to praise God. And, um, but this is Mary and, uh, today, and this is special. And uh, it's, uh, it's some pretty amazing stuff. So I'm going to begin by reading, we're going to be in Luke, and I'm going to begin by reading just kind of the story. Some of this we have gone over uh, in the previous Sundays of this particular series, but I'm going to do it all together just to make sure you have the context. And then we're going to talk about Mary and this whole perspective of faith and this great, um, this great poem or song recorded for us in the scripture, uh, which we, well, I'll tell you what we call it. You probably already know that, some of you, but we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, this is just go through the narrative and uh, get you to see this. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. To a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Next, I think, phrase is pretty obvious, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. And he will be very great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. That's a verse right there. You could just kind of isolate and talk about that all day long. Nothing is impossible with God. Many applications to that. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true, and the angel left. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, you are blessed by God above all other women, and your child is blessed. What an honor this is that the mother of my Lord should visit me. 
When you came in and greeted me, my baby jumped for joy the instant I heard your voice. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. There's the narrative that's, you know, when you really think about it and you really kind of put some stuff together, it's kind of amazing. And, and, and you know, if you were there, I mean, we're still, you know, we, we have a, tense, a tendency to, you know, maybe contextualize this sometimes and not think about it, or isolate it at least. And, 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 you know, it's just when you think about being there and all of the questions and all the doubts possibly that certain people had, there was one who remained strong in her faith, and that was Mary. Now, Mary, immediately after that, goes into, and we're going to pick it up in the next verse, still in Luke chapter, two, chapter 1, she goes into what is traditionally called, um, and maybe you've heard it, maybe the Magnificat, or depending on your Latin, the Magnificat. And I remember reading, or hearing, uh, as a kid, you know, growing up in church, you know, the pastor on Sundays sometimes, or on Christmases, sometimes would talk about the Magnificat. I don't know, what is the Magnificat? He would say it, the Magnificat. And I'm like, what is the Magnificat? Some kind of new cartoon I missed or something? You know, I, I didn't quite, quite catch what that was. But um, it's, it, this is what they, they call the Magnificat, and I'm going to show you where that name comes from in just a moment. But this is Mary's response, and it's just one of joy, and some people believe it was a song, or at least a poem. But this is her response to all this that has happened, all that we've read. Here's where it goes, verse 46. Mary responded, oh, how I praise the Lord. Really, the word there, it, it comes from a Latin, a Latin Vulgate Bible, which is, I'll tell you more about that in a second, but the word is how I praise, how I magnify the Lord. Okay, I'll come back to that. How I rejoice in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and now generation after generation will call me blessed. For he, the mighty one, is holy, and he has done great things for me. His mercy goes on from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm does tremendous things. How he scatters the proud and haughty ones. He's taken princes from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. And how he has helped his servant Israel. He has not forgotten his promise to be merciful, for he promised our ancestors Abraham and his children to be merciful to them forever. Just one of, just, she's just great praise, great, just overjoyed, because she, and, and, and she may have been the only one at the time, but she understood what was going to happen. And uh, uh, it's just amazing. Let me, let me go back to the, the, the Magnificat thing, because... The Magnificat, as it is called, it actually entered liturgy around the, the, the fourth century or so, and, and even to this day in some Anglican church, some Catholic churches, they will do that. Certainly uh, around Christmas time, they will have it sung often. Some, some will do it in Latin and uh, in your more traditional Catholic places. And some, and some, I've even read, do this like every week, uh, just because it's such a, 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 a a thing that points to Christ in such a, a marvelous way. And it comes, the way it, it came out, the Magnificat, it came out of the Latin Vulgate Bible, which was one of the first uh, translations, obviously, before English, um, and, um, <clears throat> or before the English Bibles, excuse me. And, and, and it, it, here's, the, here's the phrase that Mary uttered, if you put it in Latin, Magnificat anima mia de minim. Okay? Got a little Latin here for you this morning, all right? 
And what that basically, what that, the, the literal translation is, my soul magnifies the Lord. And the magnify, that's where the word comes from. Magnify God. Magnific, that's the word magnificat, then is what comes from that, or magnificat. So it's really kind of cool. And what Mary is, is, Mary is just saying, you know, may my soul magnify the Lord. Now here's where I go with that. How do I do that? How do I live in such a way that my soul is going to magnify the Lord? Because I really like that. I like that phrase. I mean, do, do I need to do I need to memorize the Magnificat Anna Mia Dominum? I mean, do I need to, do, do I just kind of utter that over and over and over again, and maybe understand? I don't. Whatever works. But here's what I've done. I've got you three or four little things to kind of just kind of hang your thoughts on. And uh, to kind of help us think through this and, and, and live this. And uh, as we think about how can my soul magnify the Lord at Christmas time and beyond. So that's where we're going with this, right? Three things, four things, sort of the third and fourth thing kind of go together. How can I live in a way that my soul magnifies the Lord? How, how does that look? First thing is real simple. Recognize there is a Lord, He is Jesus, and I need to trust Him. Pretty simple. Recognize there is a Lord, He is Jesus, and I need to trust Him. You know, whenever we talk about trusting Christ, you know, people say, well, and I get questions like this from time to time, how do I really do that? I mean, I believe in Him, how do I really do that? And here's the thing that you need to think about. It's a matter of saying, of acknowledging who he is and saying, I'm trusting my life to you and accepting the forgiveness that you have provided for me. Now here's, let me give you a little confession on this, all right? We do it a little differently here from a Roman Catholic background. The pastor does the confessing here, okay? Uh, I got a lot of confessions for you. First, if we're all a little uh, blurry this morning, it's because we've had four, three, how many nights have we had? Of uh, It's not so much the concerts, it's after the concert, you know? <laughs> after the concerts, we had just a great time downstairs just seeing people and eating way too much and uh, so forth. So anyway, it's been great. And so that's my first confession. No, my, here's my real confession. I'm just kidding about that, although not much. Um, Here's my real confession to you. You know, you need to hear this. I don't know when I trusted Christ. I don't know when I did that. Did I do that when I was eight years old? And when I went through a, a, a catechism kind of class thing and, and you kind of graduated? Did I do that then? I don't know for sure that I totally understood at that point. I was, you know, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Did I do it when I was 12, year old, 12 years old and I was going to do something else and I got baptized? I got baptized. I got sprinkled. I got dunked. I think they tipped me upside down. I did, I did everything because we went to different churches as, you know, when, whenever we'd move. And uh, we moved three or four times in my childhood. I sort of have the army brat syndrome. That's why I'm an extrovert, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, um, did, 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 when I, you know, is there, is there, does that happen when, I, when you go through and have First Communion in some churches? Is that, does that happen? You know, I don't think it's quite that prescriptive. Um, nothing wrong with that, but I mean, I don't think it's quite that prescriptive. And here's the issue. There are some of you here 
that you can remember, maybe a, a, a going through an experience where, you know what, I remember the day that I just said, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. There might be some people like that here. I'm not one of them. Because believing, for many of us, is a process. And I, I, I had a friend one time, and he'd gone, I don't know where he'd gone, somewhere he was, uh, he was cheating on me. He was going to a different church. Some of you do that sometimes. Anyway, um, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm secure. But uh, he, 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 he'd gone to a different church. And in this particular case, he had heard them talk about the pastor. I get, was doing a message on you need to know the day and the time that you trusted Christ. And he came back to me. He was very confused. And, uh, he, and I said, well, first of all, that's what you get for not being here, okay? So I don't want to hear it. No, I didn't do that. Um, I'm pretty, usually pretty gracious in those situations, usually, not always. Um, I said, he, he was very, I mean, he was really, truly disturbed. And I said, look, let me ask you one question. Do you know you're trusting Christ right now? He said, yeah. I said, well, then I don't really care. You know, I don't really care. And I said, and furthermore... I don't think Jesus does either. He just wants you to trust him. You know, where that happens and how that happens, we're all different. We all have different things going on in our lives, and we all have a different journey. And, 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 and you know, so don't get too, you know, wacko about this whole thing. But here's what you do need to know is, is, you, is you need to trust Christ with your life. You need to recognize he is the Lord. He is Jesus, and I need to trust him. C.S. Lewis has a great quote. I love to do this quote. I've done this before, but I, I like to do it around Easter, around Christmas. Uh, and I, my, according to my records, I haven't done it in a while. So I said, I'm going to just give you this. This is just such a great, maybe you've seen it before, I don't know. C.S. Lewis said this, I'm, I'm trying to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claims to be God. That is one thing we must not say. The man, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil from hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God or a madman or something worse. It's a great thought. We, of course, believe, I believe, church believes, that Jesus was and is God. And you can trust him. Wherever you are in that journey, you say, I still have doubts or I still have questions. He's okay with that. Trust your soul to Christ. You know, it's, it's seeking to live, live as one who continually, present active tense, continually and keeps on Trust in Christ. That's, that's part of the challenge here. You know, and Mary's word, to magnify the Lord. That means I don't get hung up on myself and all my stuff. Sometimes I do. But, but I, I, I'm reminded of that. I'm going to go back. I'm going to magnify who Christ is and who God is and what he is in my life. So that's the first thing right there. It's, it's, it's just very simple. But just recognize there is a Lord. He is Jesus. And I need to trust him. Second thing that I want you to sort of hang your thoughts on when we talk about how I can live in a way that my soul uh, magnifies the Lord, this, this 
Magnificat, you know? Second way we do that. Strive for some consistency in your life. Where your heart, attitude, actions, words, all synchronize together. You know, this was a great illustration. Uh, Until last night, I was talking to a friend at the first party that I went to. Okay? And... um, if you have a party and you don't invite me, I'll find out. And I'll, as I did last night to another one, I showed up about 11.30. said, you guys had a party, man. You know, it, no, they invited me, and it was fun. But they had a dinner party before the concert, which is all part of this thing of eating way too much. Um, and I was talking to my friend who's smarter than me and younger than me, and we were talking about synchronizing PDAs, you know, um, which... Does everybody know what I'm talking about with this? You guys understand what I'm talking about with this? It's just not everybody. Okay, here we go. Uh, basically, if you have a, a, an iPhone or a, a BlackBerry or, or a Trail, um, and there are some other things, some other, other devices, where you, you, know, you enter your appointments or your contacts in there, and then at some point during the day, you, you, you hook it up to your computer, and it just exchange. It's just, it's, it's, to me, it's still a technological marvel that you can do this. And you can put something in your computer and then you, you do your little sync thing and it ends up in your, in my iPhone or whatever you have, you know, if you have Blackberry or whatever, uh, and, and, or vice versa. You just, you know, I'm out somewhere and somebody says, here's my, here's my number and I put it down. Later on when I sync them up together, everything's just all together. It's just, I know it's been, it's been a few years now, but I'm still, I still get, I'm still marveled by it. I'm like, this is so cool. Just so cool, you know? I'm kind of a gadget guy and, and it's just really neat. How many, I know I'm kind of, you're going to really think I'm flipping out on this one, but, but I have a number of times thought to myself, wouldn't it be great if there was a spiritual equivalent to that, where I could push some kind of a button somewhere and everything here and everything in my head and heart would, would just take over into my body and my brain and it would just all kind of match together. Just boom, sync, and it's all synchronized together. Wouldn't that be great? There's not. Just for the record, there's not anything like that. We do have the Holy Spirit who, who lives in us and once we trust Christ and gives us the ability to discern right and wrong and, and to, seek, to seek to live in that consistent manner, even then sometimes because we're fallen people, thoughts might come in, sometimes words, sometimes some actions that are not particularly magnifying to the Lord and that's why we have forgiveness, that's why Jesus came and we quickly confess those and, and move on with our lives. But, but here's the, the, what I want you to see. If I'm going to be one of, if my soul is going to magnify the Lord, then I will not only trust him, but I'm going to strive for some consistency in my life. And by God's grace and by God's help, maybe you'll see it going a little bit in that direction. Maybe just a little bit. And if we could graph it, maybe it goes like this and you know, you have a few little, little, little blips along the way. But it's, 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 it's getting there. That's the second thing. Third thing, I said the third and the fourth thing are really good. It's really just three things. And here, here's what the third thing is. You know, trust there's a Lord, and he is Jesus, and I, I trust him. Strive for some consistency. Third thing is try, strive to live selflessly. It's an important concept here. It's, basically, it, it, it's just basically seeking to, to follow Christ's example in everyday living. That's what it is. 
Uh, and, and this is something that's, that's, that's just huge. We get to Christmas time and we talk about, well, it's Christmas. You know, we need to be a little more gentle. Our words need to be a little kinder. We need to be a little nicer. We need to, you know, be a little more polite and let people in traffic and, and things like that. It's Christmas time. We should do that. I'm like, whoever said that doesn't live where I live, obviously. Um, you know, the truth is we should. The truth is also we should not just limit that to Christmas. That's why we talk about celebrating Christmas every day. I mean, really. Uh, that's, that's the concept here. Let me show you something. Uh, when I talk about this, this living selflessly, Christ was the, the supreme example with his life. And, and that, that's why I say seek to follow Christ's example in, in your everyday living. Now, I want to show you this um, from the Bible because this is, to me, this says it all. This comes from the book of Philippians, New Testament. It's a couple of verses, beginning in verse 5. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not he did not feel what's that word? Entitled? Did not demand, cling to his righteous God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. That's what Christmas is about. And in human form he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on the cross. That's the example of Christ. Total selflessness. You know, when we start saying things like, I have the right to do this, particularly in a relationship. Well, how about my rights? You know, and, and, and don't misunderstand. I'm, I, there needs to be a respect and a, and, and, and a dignity here for, for all of us, and, 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 and nobody's calling you to be a doormat necessarily. But we need to live in a way with an attitude of selflessness. How can I serve? How can I help? Even people who don't necessarily believe in Jesus that I've talked with still believe he was and is one of the, one of the greatest leaders ever. And how did he lead? As a servant. Even got, you know, a lot of management books now. You know, ser- uh, uh, you know, servant leadership. Sometimes they reference Christ, sometimes not. But I can assure you that concept came from Christ. So, we, we, you know, in, when we think about that, we think about, okay, you know what? I'm doing okay with that, Rich. It's Christmas, and I've been, you know, pretty good about doing, you know. Let's take it beyond that. Are you a selfless person, do you, do you seek, to seek ways where you can help those, most importantly, that you're with the most of the time? We're going to talk a lot more about this in the new series on, on the family coming up. Um, Clay kicks it off uh, when I'm going, and then, uh, then I'll be talking a lot about it. Yeah, that was, that's the, the one that I'm, you know, one of them that I'm doing. I know you've, if you've looked at that card, you've looked at sex in the suburbs. Yeah, that sounds like, we're talking about that too. So, it's all about family stuff. Anyway, in your home, everybody's starting to reach for the card. Is that really in there? Yeah, it's in there. It's in there. How'd you miss that? Yeah. Um, uh, but, but in your home, in every area of your life, do you think, I'm not saying that you're always going to be perfect, nobody is, but do you think that way? How can I serve? How can I, am I being selfish here as opposed to being selfless? I mean, just imagine that in your home, in your, in your work. 
you know, you, even where you're the people that you're in charge of. You can still be in charge, and I believe even have greater respect when you seek to serve still in a leadership kind of way. Jesus did it. Amazing thing he did. One, 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 one time, maybe you've heard that story maybe, where all of his disciples came in, and as soon as they came in, he, he washed their feet. It was, it was a custom that was done then, but not for the leader to do that. He's one to say, you know, I, I want you to be able to see that, uh, that I love you. That was an act of love. And he said, serve one another. It was kind of like the, the, most, the most humble thing he could do at the time, other than literally what he does do, and go to the cross as a common thief or a criminal. There was this thing a few years ago. It kind of died out. It's kind of, it's kind of a fad. Maybe you saw it. It was... People, a lot of athletes and stuff would wear these bracelets, WWJD, um, actors, athletes, and so forth. Uh, and what would Jesus do? And it was, it's kind of a, it, was, it was a great deal. I mean, I thought it was pretty cool because it just brought a little more emphasis to, to Christ. But, you know, more important, you know, one of the issues that you need to think about, I get in situations many times where I'm thinking, what would Jesus do? And the truth is, I don't have a clue because he was God and I'm a very fallen human being. Um, so I don't always know what Jesus would do, but you know what? Most of the time I can stop and ask myself this question, what would be the attitude that Jesus would bring to this situation? Don't always know exactly what he would do because he can read minds and hearts and I can't do that. But I do know the attitude he would have, one of love, one of grace, you know, one of forgiveness. You know, amazing when you think through that. What would Jesus, what would be his attitude? It's a great thought at Christmas time. A lot of us do that at Christmas time. Let's take it a step further. So, how am I going to live in a way where my soul magnifies the Lord? Recognize there is a Lord. He is Jesus, and I'm going to trust him. Just strive for some consistency in your life, just to have some consistency where my actions and my words and my thoughts and, and get some synchronization there and, and strive to live selflessly as Christ did. It will make a difference, not just for Christmas, but in how you live your life. It will. May God add his blessing to these thoughts as we take them into our holiday and beyond. Let me pray with you. God, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing thing to think about. Christmas time and your love for us and the sacrifice that you have made for us and just ways our lives can magnify you, our Lord. I pray, God, that, that we would seek to make that happen. It would be a, a great time just to stop, reevaluate that, reflect on that a little bit, Maybe even make some uh, some goals or some some standards that we want to we want to seek to live by in the in the in the next few weeks and months to come, and pray that they would stick. We thank you for Jesus, who loves us more than we really probably can ever imagine. Give us gave us the sacrifice of Himself for the forgiveness of our sins, and that we might also be grace and gracious people. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.